Good evening. We are uh, going to do a Bible study live tonight, so we're going to get on with this. We're going to be in the 8th chapter of the book of Romans. Uh, trust that everybody's doing well. Hope everybody's uh, happy, safe, and healthy. But uh, thank God for this opportunity to be with you. I know that a lot of people will probably jump on later. I need to do a better job in the future of telling you when I'm going to be on here. Um, I know I post things at random times and different hours <clears throat> and days, but uh, going to pick up with our Wednesday night Bible study tonight, and uh, so we'll move on with that. We're going to be in the eighth chapter of the book of Romans. <clears throat> this will be part two of uh, chapter number eight, and we're going to try our best to get through uh, chapter eight in its entirety tonight. We're going to, I think we got to uh, around verse number 16. <clears throat> week before last we skipped over Romans last week uh, but we'll pick back up about verse number 14 so we'll go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll get in uh, to the study tonight and pray that this would be a blessing to you our Father as we bow in thy presence Father we thank you Lord for this day thank you for this privilege honor and opportunity to bow in thy presence we pray God that Lord should bless watch over us keep us and care for us Father we thank you Lord for thy precious word we pray heaven the Father Lord as we open thy word tonight God that we would uh, treat it with uh, duty, respect, and honor. We pray, Heaven, the Father, that you'd speak to us, speak to our hearts and our minds. God, liberate us in truth and in liberty, Father, Lord, that we'd be uh, able to speak the things, God, which the Word of God says, not our opinion, not what we think. Um, but, God, we just want to preach uh, and teach the Word of God uh, as it is written and as you would uh, have it to be interpreted. Father, watch over us tonight. Keep us in uh uh, safe in thy stead, we pray that you bless those, God, that are uh, sick, less fortunate, those that have lost their uh, jobs and incomes, and there's so many of them, Father, uh, in these troubling and trying times. But, Father, we're thankful, Lord, that you love us, God. Uh, I'm glad that you love us, Lord, uh, in our sin and in spite of our sin. Blessed tonight, God, we thank you, we praise you, God, for what you do. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Romans chapter number 8. <clears throat> Uh, Romans chapter number 8, we're going to get on with, um, we're going to start reading in verse number 14. We'll try and make our way through the end of the chapter tonight, but <clears throat> I'm just going to start reading right here. I'm not going to read uh, the, the rest of the chapter in its entirety. We'll just start right here and start working our way through this. We get into a, a lot of pretty heavy things toward the latter end of the chapter, so we're, we're going to try and make this as... Um, as concise as possible tonight. But the Bible says, well, we kind of picked off Romans 8, chapter number 14. It says, For as many as are, as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, for ye have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, and if children then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him that uh, we may be also glorified together. And, uh, you know, really in uh, the 8th chapter of the book of Romans, Paul is, uh, you know, as we go through the progression through the book of Romans, we see so many times uh, where we go through the, the peaks and the valleys of what he's trying to address. 
and, and we see where the responsibility of man is addressed in chapter 1, chapter 2, and 3 is really the sinfulness and the duty and the responsibility of man. You get into the faith chapter and the fourth chapter uh, when it talks about we're justified by faith. You get into uh, the justification chapter in verse number 5. Uh, and then verse number 6, you get into the place where it talks that we ha have uh, surrendered and moved past uh, being dead in our sins. And, and then we get into chapter number 7, and it talks about the separation between uh, being born again in the Spirit and uh, trying to obtain and fulfill righteousness in the flesh, which you just can't do. And then we get into Romans chapter number 8, and this is the chapter where uh, salvation and security is addressed. And you know what? God wants us to know that we're saved, and, and God wants us to have assurance in our salvation. And so oftentimes, that's what Paul, he's trying to address as he's working his way through the book of Romans. He's trying to address on multiple different occasions. He said, listen, I've tried to fulfill and sustain these things in the flesh. And he said, I just can't do it. Uh, and, and you're not going to be able to do these things. And so the Bible tells us, and that's where we get to, uh, and, I, and I apologize for regressing a little bit, but in the first verse of the eighth chapter, he said, there is therefore now no condemnation. To them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. And that verse is not conditional. Uh, that verse is not to be taken as uh, if, if you walk in the flesh today that you're lost, and you walk in the Spirit tomorrow that you're saved. That's not the implications of that text. It's not a conditional text. The, the text is uh, talking to us about that if we've been saved, if we've been born again, if we've been justified, uh, if we've exercised belief by faith, that if we've been justified and we uh, maintain these things, it's not something that we maintain in and of ourselves. It's something that God does through us. He sustains us and he keeps us that we're not saved by our flesh, by the things which we do, but we're saved after the manner of the Spirit. And the Spirit is what resides and keeps us. But then uh, we get over in the 14th verse, and the Bible says, As many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Uh, and so if you tie this back in with verse number 2, the Bible says in 8th chapter, uh, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death. So now the Bible tells me that through the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which we received only through Christ Jesus, we are free from the law of sin and death. And because we're free from the law of sin and death, we are led by the Spirit of God, and therefore we are the sons of God. And God wants us to have assurance in these things. God wants us to know that we're saved. Uh, and there's so many people struggling in this, especially in this day and time. Uh, you know, depression levels have risen. I heard the governor talking this morning how domestic violence uh, had uh, reached almost a peak, and that was one of the reasons that he had really pressured himself in to open up uh, the economy. And, and people are losing jobs. Uh, things are going by the wayside. Uh, left a meeting this afternoon at the company that I work for. Uh, over 300 people just laid off uh, this evening. There's so many economic impacts and long-lasting impacts that have, uh, that have uh, uh, fell upon all of us. And this, this right here is, not, is non-discriminatory. It uh, it's consuming all and... Uh, but we're trusting God in the fact that we know that we are the sons of God. It says, for we have not received the spirit of uh, bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. And it's, uh, it's not coincidental in my estimation that uh, we keep talking about faith and fear. And that's what this scripture 
uh, as it addresses and it walks through, it talks about that we've not received uh, this. We're no longer inheritors of sin and death. There is no more condemnation. There is uh, no more bondage. There is no more fear. And he said that we are saved and we are the sons of God and we can know these things and we can be assured of these things. It says, for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear. Amen. So here we go again. Faith over fear. Faith always is more substance than fear. And it says, but we have received the spirit of adoption whereby, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Now listen, when we're saved by the grace of God, we enter into a covenantial relationship with our Father. And therefore, that covenantial relationship, that is a binding relationship that's joined in together, and we're going to talk about some terms tonight, uh, but that covenantal relationship is joined and it's bound in together, but it is a culmination or coming together of two different parties. When we recognize uh, most often today, when we when we look at a covenant relationship, the, the first thing that comes to our mind is a marriage contract. I, listen, it, it's it's two parties. It's elective. They are two people that have fell in love with each other. They've committed their love to one another, and they commit through a covenant to each other. It's elective. It's something that both of them take part in. Uh, and so we see that this adoption right here, that the 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 terminology of, of of salvation in the scripture is termed as an adoption because it's an elective process. Uh, because listen, God. God did, God, the Bible tells us this in 1 John chapter number four, not that we love God, but that he first loved us and gave his son to be the propitiation for our sin. Uh, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. So friends, listen, we, we read over here in 1 Peter uh, chapter one, verse number 18, that says you were not uh, redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from vain conversation received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish, without spot, who is verily foreordained before the foundation of the word and was manifest in these last times for you. So we get into this place uh, and we get into uh, this uh, elective process. So Christ first loved us. But Christ in first loving us and loving us in our sin, not when we're righteous, not when we're good, but he loved us in our sin. And because he loved us in our sin, and because he went to the cross of Calvary, he made us savable. And when he went to the cross of Calvary and he made us savable, therefore we can enter into a binding elective relationship. Uh, whenever that age and time was, whenever the convicting power of God reached its fullness, its fruition, and its finality through the preaching of the gospel whenever that day and time was in your life uh, listen and all those things reached a, a climax and the culmination was done uh, and you finally came you entered into an elective uh, and a in a covenantal corporate relationship with Jesus Christ you surrendered yourself over to Christ you didn't save yourself not your righteousness the Bible tells us in Titus 3 and 5 not by our works of righteousness which we have done but According to his mercy, he saved us by the washing, renewing, and regenerating of the Holy Ghost. So, friends, listen. In verse 6, the Bible says, Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. 
So we get to this point right here where we see, well, we've entered into this covenantal relationship, this elective relationship, and that's why salvation is termed as an adoption because an adoption is something that two parties are joined together. The word adoption uh, takes its root from, uh, listen, uh, and adoption ties in hand in hand. They both really mean the same thing. When we talk about redemption and we talk about adoption, they're really the same thing uh, because redemption has a uh, has its background taken from slavery. When somebody was uh, taken into slavery, they had to be redeemed out of these things. They had to be bought out of these things. And when they were bought out of these things, uh, listen, the slave then was then committed themselves into an elective relationship to whoever purchased them, uh, listen, by their own free will. And so uh, when, when, this, uh, when this relationship uh, is finished, the Bible says that we, uh, Christ terms us this way. He said, now we've received this spirit of adoption. Now, listen, we're going to talk about adoption here in just a few minutes and just a few verses down. We've received the spirit of adoption. Uh, the, the adoption is not yet full. It is not yet complete. But we have received the spirit of it. It says, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. We have a heavenly Father, which we can cry uh, to, which we have a relationship with. We, he is our Father. We are His children. Wherever God has a son or a daughter, I have a brother and a sister. So do you if you've been saved by the grace of God. And so now the Bible says in verse 16, for the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. And friends, listen, this, if, you want, if you take anything away from this tonight, I want you to hear me. God wants you to know that you're saved. God wants you to have full assurance of your salvation. God wants you, uh, listen, that's what the Bible is teaching us in the, uh, when we work our way through the book of Romans. He said, it's by faith. It's not by works. It's not by the things which you can do. You can't buy it. You can't add anything to it. It's merely, purely, simply, holy, and fully through faith. And so, listen, the Bible wants us to have assurance in our faith. Because so, there's so many people that are, they're lost and they spend so many, so many years of their Christian life and they're just miserable because they can't find any assurance that they're saved. But the Bible teaches us, listen, if you're trying to find assurance of your salvation uh, in something that you've done, something that you've worked through, how much you read, how much you study, how much you go to church, there's so many people, they put their faith in these things and they don't put their faith in the Savior. Christ wants us to put our faith in Him. And when we put our faith in Him, then we can receive and retain assurance of salvation. Friends, listen, the, the Bible is an encourager. Uh, the Bible does not want us to live in fear. The Bible does not want us to stay stagnant. If we if we reach a place in our lives and in in time, uh, in our Christian walk of life, where we constantly regressing, and we can never find full assurance, we can never find peace, we can never find joy. It's because we're trying to find uh, we're trying to find our happiness. We're trying to fulfill everything that we have in our salvation, our salvific relationship with Christ. We're trying to fulfill it with something that we're doing ourselves, and that's not what it says. We need to have faith in our Savior Jesus Christ. Uh, listen, the Bible tells us in First Peter chapter one, verse number three: "Blessed be the God." 
God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection from Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation. Friends, listen, there's so many people that would be so much happier in their lives if they would surrender themselves to faith and wait. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 11, chapter 1, he said, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. If we have faith, listen, quit trying to rely on your works. Amen. If you keep trying to rely on your works and the things that you do, listen, you'll never find peace. There's so many people in the church today. They're so wrapped up in the fact they don't know if they got lost enough. They don't know if they're saved enough. They don't know if the piano played right or if the preacher preached long enough. They can't, they can never find relational understanding in their relationship with Christ. But that's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches perfect surrender in our Savior Jesus Christ. When we believe by faith, we're saved by grace. Amen. What is grace? Grace is the unmerited favor of God toward man. That means that we got something that we did not deserve. So friends, listen, if we got, if we are inheritors of something that we did not deserve, then how do you think that we can ever find blessed, holy, happy, joyful assurance if we're trying to find our assurance in the things that we're doing? I find my, I take my assurance in the things that he has done and I have faith in what he has done and therefore I have assurance in my salvation and he wants us to be assured of this he he said the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God I'm glad that there is the spirit of God the third person of the Godhead it's not an it, it's him. He lives and resides in me. Not only in me, in every single born again, washed in the blood believer. And if you're washed in the blood of Jesus, if you've been justified, you are currently being sanctified, headed toward glorification. I'm glad that the Spirit of God resides in us. Uh, listen, and it bears witness with us that we are the children of God. Uh, listen, and when we have that assurance that we are the children of God, then we can live faithfully in service for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And if we live faithfully in our service, we can take uh, we can take a, a hope in that we are saved by faith, not by works. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, verse 17, and join heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And if children, then we are heirs. Amen. I'm glad that I'm heir of God and an heir of a joint heir with Jesus Christ, my elder brother. Uh, listen. And it says, if so be that we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now listen, I'm going to tell you something, friends. A lot of people today, listen, I'm not going to get into eschatological issues. I'm not going to talk about end times right now. Listen, I believe that, I'll be honest with you, I believe that we've wasted too many years, too much time in the church. This this is what I do know, amen. I know that Jesus is coming back. I know that he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning, he is the end. He started this thing and he'll finish this thing. That's what I know for an absolute fact and an assurity. Listen. 
listen, but I'm going to tell you something, friends. Listen, we get into this right here. We are joint heirs with Jesus Christ. He is our brother. He is our intercessor. Listen, we are saved by his grace. We are saved by his work. It is his redemption that he performed and done for us on the cross of Calvary. I'm not going to waste my time. Listen, and I'm not saying that it's wasted time. I enjoy studying the word of God. I enjoy so very much. I really do. I thoroughly enjoy, and I enjoy having conversations, but I believe we've reached a point of contention in the church. Listen, we get so wrapped up in doctrinal issues, and they're secondary and tertiary issues. Listen, what I mean by that, they have no influence over salvation. Amen. Uh, friends, listen, uh, and, and I, believe, I don't want to waste any more time anymore dealing with things, uh, listen, uh, that don't have influence over salvation. But friends, listen, I want to talk about this because there's a lot of, the, there's a lot, uh, of dangerous doctrines out there in the church today. Uh, we get into the reform position, Calvinism. Uh, listen, so many different things, uh, and we're going to talk about those things here in just a few minutes that have direct effect on salvation. Uh, and we want to address those things. But I want you to, I'm going to say this and I'm going to move on. Listen, I want you to have assurance. The scripture wants you to have assurance. God wants you to have assurance that you're saved. Amen. You should enjoy the fact that you're saved. You shouldn't have to come to church and be searching for years and years and years, wondering what God did for you. Amen. Uh, take, uh, reside peacefully in the fact that you know what he has done for you. You, the Spirit of God beareth witness with your spirit that you are the sons of God. Take joy in those things. Take assurance, rest in those things. Amen. Listen, verse number 18. Uh, the Bible says, I, I've been at this way too long, and I, I was going to keep this short. Verse number 18, it says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. And I said all this, I said all that uh, uh, to, to, to say this. The, the Bible teaches us that we are going to have to suffer. We are going to suffer through things. There are physical illnesses in this world, uh, listen, that, that people have to go through. The best people I've ever known in my life, I've seen some of them suffer the worst. And listen, that does not that does not take anything away from the kingdom of God. That's just the way things are. Listen, the Bible says that that God's son his right is upon the righteous and the unrighteous. Suffering is part of this. The things that we have, listen, suffering is part of sin. And I'm not talking about what you've done or what I've done. I'm talking about what we inherited from our father, Adam. Listen, we're all going to die because we're all sinners. Friends, listen, it's not the amount of sin you did. It's not how much you've done. It's not what you've done. It's because you are a sinner. Because you are a sinner, there is suffering. And because there's suffering, there's death. And because of those things, you're not going to miss it. Amen. The Bible tells in Hebrews 9, 27, for it's pouring on a man once and die, but after this, the judgment. Amen. I love verse number 28. We never quote it. But unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. Amen. That's what I'm looking for. I'm looking because, listen, hey, Amen. Twice born, once dead. That's what I'm a member of. Amen. Because, listen, I've went under the imposition of hands. I've come. I've went through Calvary's, uh, I went through Calvary's soul cleansing flow. And because of that, I know that uh, that's what Paul was writing about. He said, for I reckon that the, 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 the present sufferings of this present time, I use this text at my grandfather's funeral. This is a text that I use. He suffered for many years uh, from Parkinson's disease and a wonderful man, godly man, 
listen, gave me so much instruction and he molded me so much into what I am today. Listen, but I seen him suffer for the better part of 10 years. I seen it take his speech. I seen it take him, his faculties where he couldn't walk, where he couldn't remember, where he couldn't eat. There were so many things that were taken from him. But listen, that's what the Bible is teaching about. Friends, listen, the, the sufferings of this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us. Amen. That is what we can take hope and that's what we can take pleasure in. Thank God, Francis. I know that there's suffering. I know that there's things that we're going to go through. I know that there's things that, listen, that ultimately that we will never dodge. We'll never dodge death. I don't know how I'll die. Listen, there's so many things. We've got COVID-19 now. Listen, we've got so many strands of the flu. We've got cancer. We've got all kinds. We've got Alzheimer's. There's so many different. Listen, I could walk outside tomorrow and get hit by a bus running up the road. I don't know. Listen, but I do know this. And everything that we suffer in this present life, that's what Paul was talking about. Listen, he wrote these things from a jail cell. He said, I know in whatsoever state I'm in, therefore therewith to be content. Amen. I'm glad that we can be content in the fact that the, that the the, the, the sufferings of this present time, they're not even worthy to be compared to the glory which shall be revealed in us is what the Bible says, the, the, the joy that shall be revealed in us. That's what we preached about a few weeks ago in uh, uh, Hebrews chapter 12. Verse number one, he said, Wherefore we uh, see and we are compassed about by so great a cloud of witnesses. He said, Let us lay us hide every weight in the sin which does so easily, easily beset us. Let us look unto Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, he despised the shame, and he's forever sat down on the right hand of the throne of God. Verse number 19, For the earnest expectation of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God, or the unveiling of the sons of God. The earnest expectation, these are the things that we hope for the most. Listen, in verse number 20, For the creature was made subject to vanity, uh, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope, because the creature or creation itself also shall be delivered from the bondage of corruption into this glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not, and not uh, only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption uh, to wit the redemption of the body. So listen, the Bible, that's what we're talking about. So in verse number 23, the Bible tells us we're waiting uh, for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. So listen, what Paul is doing right here is he's drawing the contrast. Listen, the scripture tells us uh, in verse number 15, it says we received the spirit of adoption. We've not been, uh, listen, we've received the spirit of adoption. Adoption in finality and in fruition, the culmination of adoption has not yet come. But the Bible tells us that we're waiting for that adoption because we received the spirit of adoption, which is the redemption of the body. The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, it was sold, it was sown uh, in corruption and it shall be raised in incorruption. Amen. There's coming a glorious day. The, the, whole, the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter number one, uh, listen, it says, behold in that day every eye shall see, uh, shall see him, even those which pierced his side. Friends, listen, there's coming, the Bible tells us in John 5, 28, and I apologize, I run a lot of rabbits while I'm teaching Bible study especially. Uh, but in John chapter five, verse number 28, the Bible says, 
Uh, and, and it tells us that uh, that there's uh, that there's coming a day which uh, all that are in the graves shall come forth. They that have done good into the resurrection of righteousness, and those that have done evil into the resurrection of damnation. But they're all coming out of the ground. Uh, listen, friends, and they're all going to stand before God, and they're all going to give an account. Uh, listen, because Jesus is coming back. But I'm glad that we can take uh, we can take assurance in these things. Amen. That's why I want to preach about assurance. That's why Paul was uh, so fervently preaching about assurance. That's what Peter was talking about. First Peter chapter 1, verse number 23. He said, Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, which liveth and abideth forever by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So, friends, listen, we can, we can take a uh, uh, great solace and hope uh, in these things. Friends, listen, we are waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. Listen, it says, For we are saved by hope. Listen, I, w- I want you to hear this. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen is not hope for what uh, for what a man seeth why did he why doth he yet hope for it? Faith is evidence, as we said uh, in Hebrews chapter eleven, verse number one. For uh, faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Faith is evidence. Hope is expectation. Amen. So we have we have uh, assurance in our salvation because we have evidence of our salvation because our salvation was born in faith. And because our salvation was born in faith, uh, listen, we have evidence of this. And because we have evidence of this, uh, listen, now we hope for these things. We hope, we look in expectation for these things. So the Bible says, for, what we, for yet what we hope for. But if we hope... For that we see not, then do we with patience wait for it. Verse 26, the Bible says, Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Thank God, amen, that we have uh, an internal. The Bible tells us this. Uh, Jesus was quizzed and questioned by many in that day and time. And, and the Bible says that they came to him and they said, Lord, uh, and, or the Pharisees, they came and they said, when are you going to establish yet your kingdom? He said, he said, neither say low here or low there. He said, for the kingdom of God cometh not with observation. He said, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Amen. So if the kingdom of God resides in us, the spirit of God therefore resides in us. The spirit bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God, that we're heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We've received the spirit of adoption. Amen. We should be able to have assurance in our salvation and know with absolute precision, Cartesian certainty, uh, listen, that we are born again, folded into the uh, blood of Christ uh, into the Lamb of God. The Bible says, therefore, likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, or our weaknesses, or our sicknesses. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Thank God that there is an intercessor that lives in us. He resides within us. He makes intercession for us when we know not even what to ask for. Thankfully, He makes intercession for us. Uh, Listen, and not only can he make intercession for us, he said groanings which cannot be uttered, thankfully. Uh, friends, listen, that there's things that we, we ourselves, we can't even utter, we can't even speak, but thankfully, the Spirit of God that resides and lives within us, uh, he can lead us, uh, he can sustain us. Jesus said uh, some things in the book of John. He said, listen, uh, medical science tells us this, 
Uh, without bread and water, a man will die. Without those two things, man will die. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And he told the woman at the well, he said, I am the water of life. So friends, listen, if we have Jesus Christ, he is our bread. He is our water. He is our sustainer. He is all that we need. Friends, listen to me. Hey, Jesus told Satan this when he went away with him 40 days in the wilderness, the Bible said that he fasted. He said, listen, man shall not live by bread alone, but every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Friends, listen, we need Jesus. Hey, I'm not so much. Uh, listen, we, we, have, we have to eat. We have to drink. We have to do things in this life to be sustained in this life. But friends, listen to me. The thing that we need in the next life, in eternal life, we must have Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us this in, in the book of Acts. He said in the fourth chapter and the twelfth verse, he said, There is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Amen. Friends, listen. It's not an alternative. It's not a negotiation. It's not something you should do. It's not something you, uh, listen, I would like you to do. The Bible tells us it is an absolute must necessity. If you're going to heaven, you have to go one way and you can only get there one way and that is through Jesus Christ. You can't get there any other way. There, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's a necessity. Verse 28. Now listen, I'm going to get into this uh, and I'm going to talk about some things right here. And I know I've probably been running about 30 minutes right here. So we'll, uh, we'll work our way through this. I'm going to talk about some things right here, but this is an often quoted verse in verse number 28. Romans chapter 8, verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Amen. Now this is to the called. Amen. We're going to get into this now. I, I, uh, let me read this in its entirety because this needs some discussion. And it says, We know that all things work together uh, for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow. He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. And whom he called, them he also justified. And whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Friends, listen. Now let's talk about some things. Uh, and listen, a lot of people, they draw up and they'll run away from these things. But listen, there ain't no point in running. It's time that preachers... Uh, it's time that everybody else, churches included, amen, it's time that we stop hiding people from their Bible. Amen. It's time to start understanding the Bible. So the Bible tells us this. We know all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who were thee called according to his purpose. So friends, listen, all things work together. They work synonymously. They are harmonious. They are all orchestrated by the hand of God. Friends, listen. Now I want to talk about some things. Uh, listen, what is foreknowledge? Foreknowledge in its uh, base elementary word. That means to know before. Foreknowledge. That means to know before. Okay, so let's talk about some terms here. So if, if Christ knows before, what does the word predestinate mean? The word predestinate, well, it's a two-part word. Word pre means before. Destinate or destination is a destination that is that is prior. So he has known before a destination prior for the redeemed of God. Amen. There's a lot of people, they say, well, 
Preacher, does that mean that God ordained, preordained all things that God, uh, listen, uh, and there's another term in here that we need to get to, and we'll talk about it in just a minute. It's, called, it's election. A lot of people talk about election all the time, too. Uh, these are our buzzwords right here, especially in the doctrines that's going around today. So, friends, listen, I, I, and I, you've heard me talk about this at great lengths, and I've talked about it on multiple occasions. And I hope that you were listening all them times, because all them times I was really reading, uh, uh, talking about those things, leading to this point right here. So now, let's understand the logical modes of God's knowledge. So we have God's natural knowledge. So uh, God's natural knowledge, those are the things, uh, everything that could possibly happen. Uh, now we need to understand this. God possessed this knowledge before the foundation of the world. Are you hearing me? God possessed this knowledge before the foundation of the world. So God knew he had natural knowledge. In his natural knowledge, he knew everything that could happen. Uh, listen, now the next logical progression of God's knowledge is God's middle knowledge. So if God knows everything that could happen, he would also know everything that would happen. Amen. In every possible potential circumstance. Why? Why can we say potential circumstance? Because God is omnipotent. What does omnipotence mean? That means he's all powerful. There is nothing that can be done that uh, there can't be done that he can't do for, or can be done that he can do. So friends, listen, we get to this point where we understand God's natural knowledge, everything that he could do. Then we get to the next logical progression, God's middle knowledge. And that's everything that we, uh, that would happen if he could create it. And then ultimately we get down to God's free knowledge. What is God's free knowledge? God's free knowledge is the understanding of, God, of what we will do. Amen. So he knows what we could do, what we, what we would do, and what we will do prior to creating. Amen. Uh, friends, listen to me. There is nothing, absolutely nothing in this world that has taken God by surprise. Friends, listen. God has never, listen, there is a, a theological term known as open theism. That means that God chose not to know the things of the future. Friends, listen, he knows with absolute Cartesian certainty and perfection every single thing that will ever come to pass. He told Jeremiah in the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah, he said, Behold, Jeremiah, I knew thee and ordained thee a prophet. Listen, when thou wast in the womb. Amen. Friends, listen to me. God knows all things. Can you, I want you to just stop for just a minute and think about the cross of Calvary. Listen to me. Every Roman soldier had to act in perfect and complete harmonious orchestrated concordance with God's providential knowledge that he had. Uh, listen, every single soldier, every person, uh, and then we get into we get into Mary's parents. We go all the way back to Adam. All these things had to logically pro progress and, and God spoke about things that never even was before they were ever even invented. Uh, God pinned them down as the holy men of God. They instructed and they wrote these things in the word of God before anything ever was why? Because God knew these things. God is all-powerful. God is full of all knowledge. There is nothing beyond him. He knows all things that are possibly and potentially knowable. Do you know how big of a God that is that we serve? And because he knows all these things does not mean that he has to cause these things. Let me tell you this. I said this the other night in our Bible study. Science tells me this, that uh, listen, if I put water below 32 degrees, I know it's going to freeze. 
But you know what? My knowledge didn't make the water freeze. Amen. My knowledge of that just provided me insight. It gave me foreknowledge that if a certain set of events and parameters were lined up perfectly, that that water would freeze and turn into ice. So friends, listen to me. God can take the free, moral, volitional choices of every single man. God can take every single choice before the world ever was. And he can put those things and orchestrate those things in perfect harmony to make sure that his will is perfectly executed. That's how big of a God we serve. That's why the Bible says all things work together for good. Why do they work together for good? Because they are in God's perfect foreknowledge. There is nothing taking God by surprise. Nothing ever has, nothing ever will. These are the blessings that God has gifted us with. Friends, listen, I serve a God who knows all things. Listen, that's why I love so much that song. Why should I? I worry. Uh, friends, listen, I serve a God. That's why I can have assurance in my salvation. Friends, listen, I, I tell you, we talk about, uh, listen, and I know we should. I, we really should do these things. We should take safety precautions. I don't want my family to get sick, and I don't want your family to get sick. I believe we should do these things. I believe we'll probably be meeting outside in the parking lot of the church till July, probably, at best. I don't know. But you know what? It's fine with me. Hey, man, I can preach in the parking lot as good as I can preach behind the pulpit. And you know what? People can be saved in the parking lot just as good as they can be saved in the altar. Uh, friends, listen to me. It doesn't matter where we do it just as long as we do it. That's the only thing that matters. Hey, Amen. Uh, friends, listen. Uh, and like I said, if anything in this world, God has pushed every single church in the entire nation. He's pushed them outside of the church walls. Finally, we got outside of the church walls. Uh, listen, I've heard more gospel preach. Listen, uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube is absolutely immersed and flooded in the gospel. And that is God's prophet. Listen, I believe that this is all orchestrated, friends. Listen, and I believe we ought to take advantage of what God has given us. Let's try and reach people for the Lord Jesus Christ. All things work together is what the Bible says. So now listen, the Bible tells us, now that we have the understanding of God's foreknowledge, the Bible says, listen, uh, and, and we need to understand this. This is important. I've said this many, many times. I did uh, a study of the resurrection Easter night. Uh, listen, if you haven't listened to that, I encourage you to go back and listen to that. I talk about some of these things. Uh, friends, listen, God's knowledge. You must understand God's knowledge to understand the implications of this. So when we understand what foreknowledge is, so God knew things before. Before the creation, God knew them. Amen. I, listen, I'm talking about before the world ever was. When the Bible picks up in the book of Genesis and the earth, and the Bible says, and the earth was out form and void. I, friends, listen, this happened way before that. Friends, listen, this was before this ever was. He knew all things. So the Bible says, for whom he did foreknow. So whom he knew before, he also did predestinate. Amen. Now listen, I want to talk to you about something. Listen, and you heard me say this, foreknowledge is not causal. What does that mean, preacher? What exactly does that mean? That means because I know something does not cause it to happen. Just because I know it does not cause it. Amen? Listen, God knew all things. Listen, there, there's two ways to look at this. I want you to hear, I want you to hear me when, when I say this. So, a lot of people think that God uh, is the ultimate chess master. And for him to orchestrate everything, he's got to play this side of the board and this side of the board. 
That's not the God that I believe that I serve. The God that I believe that I serve is the ultimate chess master. And he can move against anything. He knows the move. Listen, he don't have to play both sides of the board because he knows what the other side of the board is doing before he even does it because he created him. Uh, Friends, listen, that's the God that we serve. God can orchestrate everything to work out in the perfect counsel of his own will. And the Bible says, for now, whom he did foreknow. So whom he knew before, he also pre, uh, did predestinate. Uh, so those that he knew before, he, uh, he also uh, uh, organized a destination prior for them. Amen. So listen, I'm glad before the foundation of the world, Calvary was. Listen, when Jesus was talking about in John chapter 14, verse number one, he said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me for my father's house and many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. He said, I go to prepare a place. If I go to prepare a place, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Now listen, I don't believe Jesus was talking about going to heaven and putting on his nail apron and building mansions until it was done for us to get there. He was talking talking about going to Calvary. Uh, Listen, and when he finished things on Calvary, that was making room for us. Amen. Listen, I'm not waiting on heaven to be done. Uh, Listen, I was waiting on our entrance because we had to go through Christ. Uh, Friends, listen, that was the manifestation of God's perfect will that he ordained before the foundation of the world. So listen, whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now listen, he's not talking about individual election here. Listen, he's not talking, he said, because I foreknew these things, he doesn't have to make people uh, predestined. He doesn't have to conform people. Uh, listen, because he knows our free volitional will. He knows he knows our choices. He knew when I was an eight-year-old boy at Beulah Baptist Church in Hendersonville, North Carolina, that uh, listen, Brother Jack Clemens was going to print it, uh, get up in that uh, pulpit uh, that morning. He was going to preach the gospel. The Spirit of God was going to come. I listened to me. Conviction would be full, and I would surrender myself to the Lord Jesus Christ. He knew those things. Amen. He knew those things because he knew those things. He orchestrated those things because he knew I would surrender myself freely unto him. Therefore, I'm glad he foreknew those things. And because he foreknew those things, he prepared a place, and that place is called heaven for me and the redeemed before the foundation of the world. Amen. That should should give you great solace and great joy uh, in this so listen, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now listen to verse number 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Amen. Uh, and listen, well, I'm not talking about an effectual call. What does that mean? What is an effectual call, preacher? An effectual call uh, is meaning that it's a place or, or that's a, a function or an operation that haps, happens to somebody who cannot respond. Listen, you've heard me talk about this. We are born with a bend and an inclination towards sin. We are inherently sinners. There's nothing we can do that. We, We inherit that from our greatest grandfather, Adam. We didn't inherit Adam's guilt. You know what I'm guilty of? I'm guilty of my sin. And listen, just as I ratified the work of Adam when I realized I was guilty of my sin, I must also therefore ratify the work of Christ. Listen, you can't go to heaven without getting there through the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only way you can get there. I don't, I don't really understand why it's even a point of contention. Uh, listen, uh, friends, listen. So the Bible tells us more of a whom he did predestinate. So those people... Or those people that he foreknew. Who did he foreknow? He foreknew all those who would freely believe and receive Jesus as as their Savior. Before the foundation of the world. Not because he caused them. Not because he effectually changed them. But because he knew their choice. 
Uh, friends, isn't because he knew he knew that I uh, would uh, be. You've heard me preach on this. And I would be just like Peter. Friends, listen. Just like Peter, I, I was walking on the sea. I, listen, everything. Th- seemed to be fine. I was make, making my way to Christ. All of a sudden, I started to look to the left and the right. The waves began to crash. I began to sink. Francis, and I'm not even sure that Peter had time to reach up his hand. Uh, Francis, the only thing that I do know is Peter cried with his voice. And he said, Lord, save me. And what I do know, uh, textually speaking, uh, that the Lord picked him up out of the water and carried him back to the boat. Francis, and that's the only thing I did. I said, God, I'm a sinner in need of salvation. I surrendered myself to him. And I said, God, I didn't save myself. It wasn't my righteousness. It wasn't my good works. It wasn't my good deeds. I was a hell-bound sinner. I was in slothful and unrighteous. But thank God he picked me up out of the miry pit of sin, carried me in his arms, take me to the place of safety. Friends, listen, I'm glad that he keeps me and I don't keep myself. That's why you should have assurance. Amen. Uh, listen, I'm going to preach here in a minute. Hey, listen, uh, the Bible said... Uh, uh, now, uh, more of whom he did predestinate, then he also called. And whom he called, then he also justified. Whom he justified, then he also glorified. If you'll notice uh, the language of this, it's all in past tense. Amen. It's as good as done. Amen. Uh, listen, uh, I, <laughs> I said this about Calvary at Easter. Uh, uh, before the world ever was, it wasn't as good as done. It was done. Friends, and I'm thankful that's the God that we serve. Listen, it wasn't a matter of if it was going to happen. It was already done. It had already happened. Uh, you know, uh, uh, that's one thing for our minds. Uh, it's hard for us to comprehend. Friends, listen, we can't comprehend. Our, we live in time. God lives outside of time. There is no beginning. There is no end. So, friends, in the things that we, the things that happen logically in God's mind, we see them play out chronologically. But that's not how heaven works. That's not how eternity works. There is no time there. So, friends, listen. It's as good as done. Now, listen. I'm going to get into this, and I'm going to finish this up. It says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Praise the Lord. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall uh, he not be with him also? Freely give us all things. Who shall lay anything to the charge of of God's elect. Amen. Aren't you glad? Friends, listen. They can bring swift, uh, many multitude, manifest uh, uh, accusation against us. Listen, I'm going to tell you something, friends, and I'm not saying this out of pity. I, I know a lot of other preacher brothers that, do, that, that went through the same thing. Friends, listen. Uh, I've been talked about up, down, sideways, down the highway and up the road and listen to me as long as time stands, it's going to happen. Uh, listen, if you're trying to follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit and if you're trying to lead people, uh, if you're trying your very best, honestly and earnestly within your heart, if you're trying to lead people, if you're trying to do what you feel in your heart, textually speaking, that you should do, you're going to make people mad. Look at the president right now. Uh, look, look at our governor right now. Hey, I'm going to tell you what. He's getting shellacked left and right for opening the state back up on Friday. But if he'd have left it closed, he'd have been shellacked left and right for leaving it closed. It didn't matter what he would, what he did. He was going to take it on the chin regardless. Uh, friends, and, and our right and our left, Democratic Republicans, they're so deeply and sharply divided. They're just looking for something to say about somebody. And that's how some people in the church house are. And listen, I, I'm not here 
uh, to talk about the naysayers. But I do want to say this, friends, listen, uh, if God is for us, then who should be against us? So friends, listen, if we stop putting stock into uh, uh, pleasing so many people, if we just please God, just please God. Now, there's a right way to do that, and that's not to walk around with a I-don't-care attitude because there's so many people in the church, they think, well, I'm just going to do this, and I don't care what everybody else thinks. Listen, we the Bible tells us this. If you meet a offended brother, don't eat it. Amen? Uh, there's some things that, that we should do out of love. Amen? But ultimately, when we do these things out of love, it should be to please our Heavenly Father, that He may see our good works and glorify the Father, which is in heaven. All right, I'm going to try and wind this up. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up to us all, how uh, shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God elect? It is God that justifies. And we talk about that in chapter 3. It says, Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Now, you remember this in verse number 34. It says, who is he that condemneth? Uh, and if you, read, if you remember reading over in the first chapter, or excuse me, in the first verse of the eighth chapter, it says, there is therefore now no, con uh, now no condemnation of them which are in Christ, in Christ Jesus, walk not of the flesh, but after the Spirit. So, friends, listen, if we're in Christ Jesus, that's what the Bible tells us. He said, who is he that condemneth? That's a question. If we're in Christ Jesus, we're not condemned. That's why the Bible says, who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Because if we're in Christ, we're not condemned. We no longer live in the law of sin and death, but we live in the perfect law of liberty, in freedom, in our Savior Jesus Christ. It is Christ that died. Yea, rather than is risen again, even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Boy, that's a wonderful question, isn't it? <clears throat> who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who can separate you from the love of Christ? Who can separate me? Then he begins to list some things. He said, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? He said, what shall be able to separate us from God's love? Nothing. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. Friends, listen. Um, I know that there's a lot of people in a lot of different circumstances. I personally have felt this way in my life several times before. I didn't feel like that I was uh, worthy, needed, necessary or sufficient for anything at that particular point in time. But the Bible tells us that we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Friends, listen, I'm glad that when we are at our weakest, he is at his strongest. And the Bible tells us this. These are, these are a couple of my favorite, favorite texts. And you've heard me uh, quote these many times over the years. Verse 38 and 39, and we'll be done. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. I'm glad that, the, that we are inseparable. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who shall separate us from the love of God? Listen, we're conquerors. I'd, I'd like for us all in this, in this moment in time 
I'd like for us all to be persuaded. Amen. Be persuaded that death, life, angels, principalities, powers, things present, things to come, height or death, any other creature, nothing can separate us from the love of God. God bless you. We love you tonight so very much. I hope that the Lord watches over you, keeps you safe and healthy. And uh, good Lord willing, we'll see you Sunday morning.